Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. There's this thing I tell a lot of nonprofits to do on their donation pages, and this is something that costs literally nothing to do. Um, but can actually increase the amount of donations you're bringing in. I mean, this, the assumption I'm making is that you're bringing in some level of donations now. If you're bringing in zero, a 10% increase of zero is still zero. So I'm not going to help you there. You know, it was bad enough years ago when nonprofits had to come up with a website that reflected who they were and clearly communicated what they did and why it was important. Then players like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram arrived on the scene. And many nonprofits have muddled along. Well, the truth is we don't live in a world where muddling along is acceptable anymore. This kind of media is not one of those, oh, by the ways, but it has to be an integral part of how you communicate, market, and engage your stakeholders. So how do you get it right? Well, today we have the right person to offer us some advice on this. Joining us is Scott Paley. Scott is the co-founder of Abstract Edge, an online marketing agency with a mission to empower do-gooders. Abstract Edge helps nonprofits, educational institutions, and mission-driven entrepreneurs and companies grow, engage, and motivate their audiences and look great while doing it. Scott, thanks for joining us. My absolute pleasure. So a nonprofit with a muddled internet presence in my experience, is way more the rule than the exception, and I'm, I don't like saying that at all. And I refuse to believe it's all about the money. So tell, tell us, what are the three or four most common mistakes that nonprofits make? Well, Joan, you're absolutely right. It's certainly not all about the money. Um, nonprofits might not realize this, but the cost of digital marketing has really come down in recent years. Uh, I mean, it can still be very expensive if you want to do something actually like very custom. But for most cases, a lot of what nonprofits need to do online, which usually comes down to building a platform, an audience that sees you as the authority in your world, that cares and participates, uh, that and fundraising, uh, these are what we like to call solved problems. And solve problems have the benefit of solve solutions, right? Right. Which means that you can take some off the shelf software or use an online service. And as long as you're willing to be somewhat flexible and that gets to the fact that it's, it's not a custom built thing for you, mm -hmm. you can integrate that and make it work for you at a fraction of what it used to cost to do this sort of thing. Fascinating. Um, but really, I would say the, the most common mistake that nonprofits make in terms of their website, in terms of the internet, um, is to approach their websites as a glorified brochure. So, you know, that's a website where information is posted about the organization, what it does, who it helps. You know, you have a page that's a contact page and you have your donation page. Um, it's not that those things aren't important to have on the site. Of course they are, but that tends to be the entire site. And this really shortchanges what's possible. And this is what you see over and over again, right? 
Oh yeah, I would say eighty percent or more of nonprofit websites. That's pretty much what they are. Right. You know, and the thing is that what's possible today with a website, and again, not a great cost, but a great value, is to create a platform or a movement. You know, a, a motivated audience of followers and advocates at a relatively small cost. And, and really, potentially on a global scale, if, if you're a global nonprofit. So, you know, a platform or a movement online attracts those that are inclined to give of themselves, their money, their time, their effort. And that builds the nonprofit's brand as a serious authority worthy of someone's time, which then motivates and persuades people to become members, to donate, to push legislators. Uh, to educate, to share, to put pressure on people to make change, to help. Now, a movement can be global, like I said, or it can be hyper-local. It doesn't matter. Either way, a good website and a, and, and a smart digital marketing program should be helping to build that. But unfortunately, at present, most nonprofits, and there are certainly exceptions, but most don't understand how achievable this really has become. Uh, and I see it as our job to educate them. There are actually nonprofits that exist as a platform. I mean, they're not even just not even just um, use a platform, but you take something like allout.org or um, we were talking on an, a previous episode about colorofchange.org, which is the largest online civil rights organization that actually that is their organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned All Out. That's a great example. So All Out was a client of ours. Um, they have, in just a few years' time, gone from being a brand new organization to actually organizing 2.2-something million people worldwide. And what does that mean, that they've organized these people? It means that they now have the capacity to put tremendous pressure on politicians and governments worldwide who are doing horrible things to the gay community. Right. And they also have the capacity to bring in tons of money when they need it um, because they are not constantly asking for money. And, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this later because um, this is actually another big mistake that a lot of nonprofits make. Um, but they've built up this, this movement of millions of people that all believe the same thing and want to find opportunities to help change the world for the better. This is something any nonprofit can do. And that's the, you know, so there's a big distance between a brochure and a movement of multiple millions of people who are engaged, like it all out or color of change. So um, clearly nonprofits make mistakes along the way. So let's get specific. Give me some specific things that you see nonprofits that are uh, that nonprofits are doing wrong online that hurts their ability to grow from a brochure to a platform. Okay, um, I let me give you five. Okay, five is good. Okay, um, I would say the first one is that it's all about them, right? The website, their social media, all their communication online—it's all promotional. We do this. We do that. We did this. We did that aren't we great? So you should want to help us, give us money, right? So, <laughs> so that's just not effective. So I would say, you know, if you're a nonprofit, look at your website 
and ask yourself this question. Who is the website meant for? Is it for clients? Is it for donors? Other kinds of supporters? For, or, you know, is it for board members? Is it about, in effect, if you're really being honest with yourself, is it about stroking egos? Is it about staff? And, you know, if you look at it and you're not entirely sure, that's a big warning flag. You know, it should be crystal clear who the site's for, right? The website needs to be presented from the visitor's point of view, what they care about. You know, the truth is that most visitors probably don't really care that much about your nonprofit, the organization itself per se. Mm -hmm. What they really care about really is how your issue makes them feel and how it can help them achieve their own goals and confirm their own beliefs to be active in some way. So, you know, if you want to increase online donations, you need to help visitors see how their self-interest, what they care about, how that aligns with the goals of the organization. It's not to focus on how great the organization itself is. You, you don't make it about you. You make it about them. Okay. I liked number one and it, and it was, it was kind of all about you. So make it, what's, what do you got for number two? <laughs> for number two, um, I would say that uh, many nonprofits really just don't value design enough. They see it as this unnecessary expense, right? And that's not to say that a nonprofit should go out and spend a fortune on design, right? You know, you're not um, Clairol and, 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 you know, the design is like so inherent and, and part of the essence of what you're trying to sell. But that said, it's just like going into a dirty restaurant, right? Even if the food isn't great, you're not going to give it a chance. You're totally. completely turned off. You're not, you're not going to do business there. Same thing. So first impressions on the website are absolutely critical. And if someone comes and they're immediately turned off or they don't see you as very professional, um, they don't get excited. There's no emotional response, visceral emotional response immediately. You don't grab them. You're losing out an opportunity and you're probably going to have a visitor who just goes away. There's a point below which no nonprofit should ever go from a design standpoint. Good design can absolutely make a big difference in the rates of participation and, and converting people into becoming advocates of the organization. I mean, I think so that's, what, that's number two. I think what you're talking about, um, you didn't say the word, but isn't the word trust implicit here? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's this, this great study, and I'm probably going to get the facts uh, not quite right in the details um, because it's not in front of me. But it's okay. Um, there was a study where um, a bunch of people were asked about um, their impressions, basically, of a bunch of healthcare websites. And they were asked about factors that involve trust. And obviously trust is such a huge thing, right? If you're a nonprofit and someone comes to your site and they don't immediately trust you, they're not probably going to give you a donation. Mm -hmm. um, they're probably not going to participate with you in pretty much any way. Um, with these healthcare sites, something like 80% of the comments that they got about the sites that they didn't think were particularly trustworthy were design considerations. Things were too cluttered. It was hard to understand how to navigate. Um, you know, stuff like that. It was all design, 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 design. 
Um, once a site was deemed trustworthy, once it, it met that certain bar above that, then almost all the comments were about the content and, and things like that, things you would expect. Right. But the design is critical. Below, uh, below a certain minimum point, and it's higher than, unfortunately, many nonprofit websites are today, um, you're really doing yourself a big disservice. So you've got two others, I think four and five, right? Um, actually, I think that was two. We're, we're, I've got three more. I'll try to be quick. Um, the third one is, and this is a huge problem specifically at nonprofits. It can happen at, at commercial ventures as well, but design by committee. Yeah. Right. So you talk about this all the time, Joe, and I know you, you talk about too many cooks. Right. Right. Um, and the tendency is to try to compromise, to reach a consensus. Um, when you're in the design phase and strategizing what the site, how the site should be structured. But what you end up with is a diluted message where everything is considered important. And as a result, nothing <laughs> comes across as particularly important. It's just cluttered. So, you know, when you design by committee, what you tend to produce is a boring, watered down website that's all about the organization that doesn't focus on what the visitor cares about and ultimately doesn't achieve anyone's goals. You know, you have to prioritize. You have to pick one or two things to focus on. Um, and one of the big mistakes in this area that a lot of nonprofits make, because I think there is a recognition of this, but the solution that a lot of nonprofits come up with is the ubiquitous slider, you know, that big slideshow that shows up at the top of so many nonprofit websites. Oh, yeah, you see it all the time. Yeah. And the problem with those is that, yeah, people might look at the first one and click. Um, if it autoplays, you're already annoying people because they might have been in the middle of reading the first slide and now it's gone. Um, if you don't autoplay, almost nobody ever clicks to anything past the first one anyway. So you're burying content that you have sat in a meeting and decided was really important stuff. I'm not saying there isn't a use case for a slider. There are, but they're much less um, than I think most people think. So fixing this with a slider is a, is a big Band-Aid solution that doesn't really work. Hmm. Um, so that, that's number three. Number four, um, and I've kind of said this already, but don't be boring, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? You, you want to think about, well, how, how do you get information across that's not boring? And the big answer is you tell stories, right? Right. Great storytelling. Um, think about how that is structured and, and do that on the site. Great storytelling is engaging and it's motivating and it, it taps into how our psychology works, right? People make decisions. They take actions much more so based on emotions than on logic. They justify their decisions based on logic, but great stories can drive behavior. You know what doesn't drive behavior? Things like features, list of benefits, facts, figures, things like that. Buy tickets to an upcoming gala. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're already inclined to do so, then that information is important. Right. But if someone isn't already inclined to do that, you need to tap into an emotional response to motivate them to want to buy tickets to the event. Completely, completely. So the, um, you, you talk about, um, and I, I, 
I know this. You've talked about the um, mistake of proposing on the first date. I assume that must be number five. Actually, yes, that's exactly right. Thank you, Joan. Um, so proposing on the first date, right? Um, this is trying to get people who've come to your site who have never been there before, are just learning what your organization even is and saying, give us a donation. Right. That's just not going to work well. Um, however, salespeople have known for a really long time that if you can get a foot in the door, anything, your conversion rates go up a lot. So you think about a ladder of engagement at a nonprofit, the goal of your website for most of the time is going to be, or at least in general, is going to be to get people on that first rung of the, you know, of the ladder. It's not get a donation. That's later in the game. You know, once the relationship has nurtured, once you've gone out on a few dates, then you can ask for a bigger commitment, like a donation or to become a volunteer or something like that. So get people to do things first, like sign a petition, take a poll, um, give an email address in exchange for something of value. That's the start of a relationship. That's the first date. And you build the relationship from there. Right. So we're talking with Scott Paley from digital marketing agency, Abstract Edge. In the spirit of full disclosure, I am a very happy client who has benefited greatly from the services of Scott. And you can learn more about his work at www.abstractedge.com. Scott, we are just, um, the clock is ticking out on us. So I want to ask one final question. Okay. In the little time that we have left, is there one thing you can tell my listeners that they can do right now that's super practical? Yeah, um, yeah actually, there's this thing I tell a lot of nonprofits to do on their donation pages. And this is something that costs literally nothing to do, um, but can actually increase the amount of donations you're bringing in. I mean, this, the assumption I'm making is that you're bringing in some level of donations now. If you're bringing in zero, a 10% increase of zero is still zero. So I'm not <laughs> going to help you there uh, with, this, with this suggestion. But assuming you're bringing in something, this should increase incrementally. Um, and so what that is, is if you think about donation pages, most of the time you see this pattern of default settings. And what I mean is you'll see, like, you'll give people options, right? Donate $10, $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000 or other. Yep. Something like that. Um, where do those actual default numbers come from? They're totally assumed by people. People, people assume that, um, that visitors, they have no idea what they might want to do in terms of a donation, and they want to give them a range of options. Um, but there are certain psychological principles that go into pricing. Nobody knows what an appropriate donation amount is. Who's to say it's $25 or $30, Yep. right? So when you give, so let's start with this. When you give three a, a set of three options, right? most people, the well, more people will choose the middle option than any other option. Oh, totally. Okay. So let's start with that. Let's say you're offering three options, 25, 50, and 100. Did you know that by simply changing that to 25, 60, and 100, you're going to increase your donations, the, the actual amount of money you take in? <laughs> 
because almost nobody's going to say, oh, well, I was going to give 50, but forget it. I'm not, if they're asking for 60, forget it. Most people, if they were going to give 50, now they're going to give 60 instead. Well, you just increase the, that donation by 20%. You're not going to lose pretty much anybody, but you're still going to get more. But I think the bigger point here isn't so much change it from 50 to 60. That may or may not be the right number for you. I think the, the bigger thing is that, and this is something that a lot of nonprofits just unfortunately tend to shy away from, is building a culture of testing. Mm-hmm. You know, startup companies do this really well. It's part of what helps them reach success. And basically the process is to build something quickly and cheaply. You don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You get it out in front of the right people, get feedback, you tweak, you pivot when necessary, and you keep trying things. You test. When something works well, you invest more into that. When something doesn't work well, you treat it as a learning experience. It's not a failure. You've learned something important about your audience and what they care about. But techniques like testing the donation page, default values, that sort of thing only happens in places that have a culture of testing. So my big advice is test these things, test the amounts, see if it makes a difference. If you increase it too much and you are reducing the number of donations you've been getting, well, that's a problem. You need to pull it back. But even if you literally get one default value to go from 50 to $55 and that, you know, even that only accounts for 20% of your, of your donations, you just increase the amount of money your website takes in by a few percentage points. You haven't, you haven't spent a dime. Um, you said techniques like testing the donating page, the donation page only happens in places that have a culture of testing. I, I think I would argue in the context of this episode that it may also happen in places where people who work at those places have listened to this podcast. Um, we, um, I feel like we've just actually scratched the surface. I want to talk about other forms of media, Facebook and Instagram. What does it mean to have your Facebook page liked? What does being likable mean? How do you make it likable? I feel like there's just a whole nother episode in this. So, um, you have to promise to come back. Oh, I, I would love to come back, John. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and I do think that this is actually one of the anxiety points for a lot of nonprofits, which is digital media is huge, right? There's so many aspects and mastering it is really difficult um, because of that. And I, I think that, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot to learn. But if you keep it simple and you focus on a few really important basic principles, you can get so far. Yeah. I mean, and I, I feel like, uh, I, I know, I know from this and I also think that it, um, it's when I think about, you know, when you look at the demographics of who runs nonprofits today, that you tend to have people who are slightly older who didn't grow up with this media and thus they are more reliant on, uh, experts like you and the younger members of their staff to rec- to help them to recognize, as I said before, that this isn't an oh, by the way, but this is an integral way of creating the a significant level of engagement for a significant number of people. And that's an, at the end of the day, that's, you know, nonprofits 
can't do their job. They cannot pursue their mission without an, you know, without an army of fully engaged people. Absolutely right. So with that said, we are, um, I hope that our listeners enjoyed our conversation because I know that I did. Uh, if you did enjoy the conversation, uh, if I can be so bold, take a moment and leave either a review or a rating or both on iTunes and, uh, Join us next time. And in the meantime, if you'd like to take a look at my blog, you'll find me at www.joangary.com, a blog that is uh, designed and marketed by Scott Paley, our guest, uh, the founder of uh, Abstract Edge at www.abstractedge.com. Scott, it was a pleasure. It was for me as well, Joan. Thank you so much. See you soon. Nonprofits Are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.